Welcome to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Barry LeFew, the Vice President of the Government Platform Accelerator at InQtel, also known as IQT. Barry, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Great to see you, Jason. Thank you. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. The rate of change in the technology market can make your head spin. The continued growth and acceptance of things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics is really something the technology community has not really seen before. Add to that the developments to push compute to the edge, the technology sector will continue this whirlwind of change. If you just look at the Defense Department and the intelligence community, they really need to do more to take advantage of this innovation. One key piece of that preparation, of course, is budget. DOD's proposed budget for fiscal 2024 includes $145 billion for research and development and $170 billion for procurement just for these emerging technologies. It's a clear indication, DOD says, of its commitment to stay on the cutting edge. The intelligence community, the other part of our national security discussion, mapped out a four-year investment strategy for emerging technologies in 2022. It's planned shifts for how the IC tracks research and development to ensure there is more of a connection to its mission goals across all of the IC. So how can DOD, the IC, and really all national security agencies take more advantage of these emerging technologies? Well, Barry, that's where you come in. You're going to tell us how they're going to do it. So let's start there. The IQT has seen a continued focus on innovative technologies in, in the national security realm. What are you seeing? I mentioned AI, I mentioned ML, but there's probably a laundry list of them. Sure thing, Jason. So Jason, you're absolutely right. This seems to be one of the most dynamic times uh, since I, I've been in technology in terms of rapid advancements and new types of innovative technologies being introduced. And at InQtel, we, our mission is really to be at that intersection of national security and emerging um, and important new technologies to support our national security. For the past, past 25 years, we've really been an enabler to bring uh, new and innovative commercial technology into the U.S. national security market. And the 25 years, this feels like a more than two decades ago, right? It feels right. such a long time ago. I think we were in the client-server world 25 years ago. But talk a little bit about what you're seeing today. I mean, whether it's biotech or space or energy, what are some of those trends you're seeing? Yes, Jason, it's been remarkable, right? Over the last 25 years, we've seen client-server, the internet, the rise of mobile, and now uh, with artificial intelligence, I think it's one of the most significant and revolutionary changes that I've seen in, in our lifetime. And in addition to AI, we're seeing other very large advances in terms of cyber, uh, enterprise technology, space, and the whole trend towards commercializing space uh, is also very important. And then also to really enable all this technology, energy is incredibly support important to make it essential and critical and more lightweight. And then finally, biotechnology is really emerging as such an important um, enabler, protector, as well as finding new types of technology to solve very important medical issues. We know cyber is important. We know AI. We can't, you can't shake a stick without hearing about AI. Interesting that when you talk about energy, though, as, as a kind of that enabler for national security, I think people don't quite get that if you don't have the energy, if you don't be able to get the power generation to run you're at the edge, you're not going to run anything at the edge. And, and is, that, is that something you're seeing more from the national security and the defense world that they want more about how do we take advantage of emerging ener energy technologies? Yes, ab absolutely, Jason, right? There's a whole move towards enabling uh, much more efficient, powerful battery technologies, and then also enabling 
uh, remote activation of that technology. It's fascinating in that there's now technology where literally batteries can be charged through beams uh, going through the air. And so there's an incredible innovation. The other thing, Jason, that is really fascinating that we're seeing is, and while AI and ML is extremely uh, innovative, we're seeing a, a cross-connection between AI and ML driving advances in other areas such as energy and battery technology, helping enable advances in biotechnology as well as cyber. So uh, together they, they're creating an even more kind of flywheel effect uh, to help uh, accelerate uh, the growth of innovation. I was been at a bunch of conferences recently about AI and, and the, the theme is yes, people are excited about it, but it's also, hey, everything is built into AI. You're not buying AI. You're not just buying, okay, here's some AI berry, go use it. It's here is the battery technology that includes AI, or here is the space operations, the, the, the low orbit satellite that includes AI to help you process. Is that kind of what you're starting to see, the built-in versus the bolted-on? I know we use that for cyber all the time, but you get my point. Yes, um, so Jason, that is very much the case, right, where AI can be used as an enabling technology in many different types of technology uh, stacks or stovepipes. But also AI, it can be a tremendous enabler for enterprise technology, right? Enterprise technology is advancing in terms of our ability to process and store massive amounts of, uh, of data and information. Being able to then layer AI enables us to do faster analysis, support decision making, and in actually identify new ways of solving problems. And then AI also becomes a key enabler of cyber because of its ability to rapidly detect and respond to cyber threats. I don't want to miss the opportunity to comment on the charging your device through through airwaves through through specific uh, you didn't say laser beams but that's mm -hmm. that's that'd be cool I would need that for my iPhone right when we're all looking for the power you can charge up I, ho I hope that's coming sooner than later I didn't want to miss that opportunity to, to prove right to, absolutely to, that's a pretty cool thing um, but the AI as enabler piece too is is really important because the enterprise tech let's maybe go down that path. What are some of those innovations you're seeing with some of the emerging technologies outside of the AI, but, but that's part of that emerging tech discussion? Yeah, so several fold, um, Jason. One is uh, the being able to leverage massive uh, GPUs, right, which are used for AI, but to use GPUs to process and to analyze data at scale, um, enabling literally 50 to 100 fold increases in the ability to analyze real, real time data. So that's in a very important area in terms of technology. The other is the ability to move a lot of processing to the edge, right? So that in a disconnected environment, you can deploy to the edge uh, autonomous systems that can react and respond on their own in real time. Was that an interesting event recently? And uh, I was listening to DISA speak, and Steve Wallace, who's their chief technology officer, among other things, was talking about uh, the disconnected, distributed environment, the diddle, D-I-D-L, it's probably not exactly what it means, but, but I think you, you get my drift, is, is shrinking. And I think in, in exactly why your, your point of saying that is, that, right. is that part of what the national security, the DOD, why they're looking at these types of technologies, because they want to shrink that disconnected, distributed environment? Yes, absolutely, right? There's always a desire to make a systems lighter weight, more efficient in terms of taking less power, and then also being able to respond to a wide variety of situational types of scenarios. Is that something that, as InQtel talks to the people, the, uh, the vendors you work with, they get that? Is that a message that DoD is sending clear, or is that just 
part of the evolution of technology. It doesn't really matter whether DOD is saying we want it to be this. It's just this is where we're going because it, it has right. to go that way. Right. So one of the terrific things about um, IQT is right. we really focus on dual-use technologies where advances in commercial technology can be applied to the DOD. So I think the DOD is doing an excellent job of communicating their requirements. Uh, we can always do more, right? But really what we're uh, really positioned to do is to be that bridge between the national security community and the startups, right? Uh, there's sometimes a, a translation challenge, right? Uh, taking FARs and DFARs and converting those to the world of venture capital, right? And Inkytel's in a very unique position to help translate or uh, help explain to each side uh, how to how to best work with each other. And there's a huge excitement in the venture capital community around the national defense aerospace community. Uh, I know in 2023, the number of mergers, acquisitions, the amount of investment by the, the private equity firms was huge. So I think that that translation is, is again, also shrinking because I think they're understanding because of folks like you that are trying to help bridge that gap. Is that gap better or is it about the same? I mean, how, would, how would you kind of... Well, I see that gap shrinking, Jason, right? As, as everyone knows, right, we're in a, uh, a very challenging geopolitical situation, right? There's a major power struggle between the U.S. and, and other parts of the world, such as China and, and Russia. And what was going to be a key enabler for us and for our allies is to deploy and utilize innovative technology to both protect the, the homeland as well as to support our allies. So, yes, I do see that uh, time shrinking. And I think one of the um, catalysts for that has been the situation in Ukraine, right, where really they're relying on technology um, in the battlefield to provide an edge. I mean, you see this all the time with the impact of drones, and now you're starting to see it in the Middle East, the impact of drones. How much of your work is not necessarily uh, offensive drones, but just more UAS more generally? That must have been a, a huge area of focus in, in the community to develop better, faster, cheaper ones. Yes, ab absolutely. Um, drone technology is... Uh, advancing at a, at a rapid rate, and they also can produ be produced at relatively low cost. And what we're really focusing on is not as much the drones, but the enabling technology to do things like remote <laughs> sensing, uh, navigation and GPS denied environments, and to operate autonomously. And so that is really where, you know, bringing that intelligence and those in additional capabilities to drones. You mentioned a couple of hot topics. You mentioned enterprise tech. We talked a little bit about AI. Let's just take the last few minutes of this segment and talk cyber. Uh, we know that the amount of data that comes in from the cybersecurity tools is always increasing. We know that the threats are getting uh, much more serious and the uh, bad actors are using more advanced technologies. And, and the old saying, bad actors need to be right once and defenders need to be right every time. What are you starting to see around emerging technologies and cybersecurity? Yes, so several fold. First, cybersecurity is so critically important to our, not only our national security, but also our, our critical infrastructure. And every day we read about more and more attacks that are happening uh, to, to the U.S. infrastructure. What we're seeing from a cyber standpoint is several fold. One is uh, using cyber tools to fully understand what devices are connected to the network, how they're connected, what versions of software and firmware are, are being utilized so that if there is a deficiency, it can be rapidly uh, ad addressed. Another area is uh, basically what's called SBOM, or the Software Bill of Materials, really identifying what components are in either GOTS or COTS software 
so the government can have a firm understanding of any underlying vulnerabilities. Finally, um, another area, Jason, is really leveraging AI, right, to be more reactive and proactively identify threats uh, that are incoming to help accelerate the, the ability to, uh, to respond. The, the SBOM piece, there's a lot of uh, work being done currently in the government around, okay, what does it mean with the standards? How do we make sure we use them uh, well? Uh, imagine what you all are working on is, is not so much the process piece, but like what's the technology to make getting that information and understanding the information e more easily? That's the type of things you're seeing from the people you work with, I, I would guess. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, first really doing that inventory or of what are the components in the SBOM, but then also then correlating that information to identify any new or emerging threats that could impact those parts that are in the SBOM. And then the other piece of this, you mentioned AI, uh, again, be less reactive, more proactive. Uh, are we starting to see some of that technology evolve? Or are you starting to, are, are agencies able to get ahead of the data a little bit? Because I think that's the complaint I hear most from CISOs and CIOs is there's just too much data. To right. keep up is, is, is so hard. Yes, there, there is an overwhelming ex explosion of, of data, right? And really what AI really can become is an important tool to quickly do analytics of that data. So we are seeing quite a few advances of using AI. Uh, one example is a really interesting firm called ThruWave that is a, has uh, developed a way to use AI to support the scanning of high volumes of packages. So think about all the uh, information and, and materials coming into the US, right? What is in all those packages and containers? Uh, by using uh, radio waves and AI, they've been able to identify a way to quickly identify contrabands or illegal things in packages. You said packages this is where my mind went, uh, like like packets of data across the internet. So right. I went the other, I went the other right. way on that. Uh, Barry, we're gonna take a quick break and come back. We'll continue our conversation about uh, IQT. Uh, you're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Hello, this is Barry LeFew from IQT, the nonprofit partner of the national security community that has been trusted to identify and leverage emerging commercial technologies to support national security. As the VP of IQT's Government Platform Accelerator Program, we support over 700 innovative portfolio firms. Our areas of investment span AI, cyber, autonomous systems, space, energy, and biotech. Learn more about IQT's unique mission. Visit us at IQT.org. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Barry LeFew, the Vice President of Government Platform Accelerator at InQtel, also known as IQT. Now, Barry, before break, we're talking about some of those technologies that you're seeing trends, cyber, AI, uh, emerging te enterprise technology. I want to take a half a step back. You give us a little bit about IQT. A lot of people maybe have heard of you all, but maybe aren't all that familiar. So what should government, what should industry folks really know about how you all work? Yes, thanks, Jason. So IQT has been in, in existence now for 25 years, and our mission has always stayed the same, which is to be a strategic investor in dual-use technology firms that can support national security. So the way we work is we work with our partner agencies in the national security community to identify their most um, important and pressing uh, technology needs and problem sets. And then we work to look at the venture capital community, the startup community, where a lot of innovation happens to identify firms and technologies that can help address those important national security problems. We then make an investment along with other venture capital firms 
for every dollar that Incutel make invests, there's usually $28 of commercial venture capital that's invested along with us. So we make investments in companies uh, that are, bring important technology to the national security. And then we really serve as a bridge to help bring that technology into the national security agencies to help them to pilot it, evaluate it, and ideally then to deploy that technology to solve important mission needs. People think of IQT now, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, you're, you guys were first kind of developed or, or the CIA funded you all? There's at least that rumor or at least that, 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 yes. that story behind it. Yes, sure thing. So uh, IQT was created in the late 1990s by the CIA and it was really a result of the recognition of the explosion of commercial technology and how the government really wasn't keeping up to pace with the VC community. So IQT was formed by the CIA to help the CIA better understand the explosion and growth in technology. Since that time, we've grown and we now have partnerships with every IC agency, including portions of the DOD, as well as the Department of Homeland Security, to identify their key technology needs and make investments and bring technology to those agencies as well. And your funding is not derived from the government, at least not anymore, is that right? Or, or how do you guys, where does the funding come from to make these investments, generally? Some of the funding comes from, from the government, okay. right? In terms of our ongoing relationship with these companies. And we are an intermediary then to bring that technology into the government. But we also have, over time, have grown and Incutel uses its own funds as well to make investments uh, on behalf of national security. I appreciate the explanation. I think people, again, funded by the CIA, what does that mean? It's been a, it's been a couple of years since that's happened, so as right. you said, more than 25. Uh, you also mentioned something that's really interesting, serve as a bridge to bring stuff to national security. How do you serve as a bridge? Because you're not a contractor, you're not winning a contract, you are connecting the dots, if you will. Yes, that's correct. So as I described, we make an initial equity investment in a startup that we think has a promising technology. We then introduce that technology to some of our mission partners, the national security community agencies, and then we facilitate pilots or work programs for the agencies to try out, pilot, and then in some cases help enhance that technology to meet additional needs and requirements of the national security community. I think that, that the government sometimes gets a bad rap for not kind of finding the emerging technologies or the non-traditionals. Uh, that's why there's been this big push for OTAs and, and other kind of non-FAR-based contracts. Uh, in, in many ways, this, that's what you, you all have been doing for many years is, is exactly what they, they hope to take advantage of through OTAs. But I, you're one company, and I think they want to try to expand that to, to much bigger. Uh, you mentioned pilots, uh, other work programs, bring, build that bridge. What are some of those areas you're looking at in, in 2024? We know cyber, AI, of course, and yes. the other ones you mentioned, but we'll, let's delve, d dig deeper. Yes, uh, so certainly AI and cyber are going to continue to see rapid innovation, right? With respect to AI, it's also looking at the whole AI ecosystem, right? Bringing technologies in to make sure the AI is secure, to make sure that the AI is not biased, and to make sure that the AI can't be exploited by our adversaries. Um, the other really incredible technology, Jason, is the whole area of quantum computing, right? Quantum really represents what could be a very fundamental and uh, incredible change, right, to a lot of our infrastructure. It really could change the way that encryption's done and um, will require uh, potentially dramatic changes to the way that we encrypt and protect information. 
So quantum is, is certainly an important area. Another is material science, um, using AI to create new and improved materials. And then another area is biotechnology, right? Luckily, COVID is uh, pretty much in, a, in the rearview mirror, but we as a country want to be prepared that if another crisis emerges, that we're better prepared to deal with it in the future. I think biotechnology has really been around for a long time, but we are all more aware of it because of COVID and because of the uh, really great work done by places like NIH and, and other pharmaceutical areas that, that, that have been able to bring the, the vaccines around much more quickly than we've probably seen in the past. Uh, what kind of investments are we talking about when you, when you look at biotech? Anything, use case or any, any examples you can give? Yeah, so sev several areas, right? One would be leveraging AI to create new types of protein molecules to help address uh, different types of diseases and uh, chronic conditions. An another is really helping to um, use um, AI and enterprise technology to surveil uh, the emergence of new types of outbreaks new types of diseases, right? To kind of have a worldwide view of emerging threats and really being able to analyze in real time how pathogens might spread and, or how populations can be protected. And there's a predictive side to this as with everything else. We're seeing something starting to pop up that looks odd. What does that mean? We better pay closer attention to this versus the reactive side, which I think we're, we've been for a long time, but not just with biotech, but, but with cybersecurity and all IT. Oh, that happened, we better go fix it. So right. I think that that's pretty interesting. Uh, the quantum piece, let's talk a little bit about that as well. Another popular topic that folks kind of, I think, are excited to talk about, but they're not sure how to talk about it yet. Uh, are, are you starting to, is quantum here? Or are folks able to, to, to start testing it? Or are we, are we just on the cusp? Quantum, we are on the cusp of, and we're starting to see people utilize quantum in, in some limited ways, right? One of the most important things for us is to really address what's called post-quantum encryption which is to be able to make sure that our encryption devices can't be broken by our adversaries' quantum computers. So that's a really big area of, of focus right now, Jason. And then we are seeing the testing and development of uh, quantum computers, um, not only uh, very specialized computers, but figuring out how to miniaturize them, how to bring a quantum computer so that it can be stored in a standard data center and processed in, uh, in a regular type of data center environment. I think folks think of quantum, they think of high performance computing centers like NOAA and some of the, the other big data heavy organizations have, but it's interesting they're trying to shrink it for lack of a better word, like we've seen with regular computers, right? The, your Apple Watch now has more power than the you know, Atari 2600 that you and I had uh, in 1982 or something. Right. Uh, the post-quantum encryption also is interesting. I heard DISA talk about this the other day. They're also starting to look at this. This is a lot of interest for DISA. Uh, is that a, that's a big concern for national security folks. Is that something that you're hearing from them? Barry, what's going on? Barry, what do you got for us? Barry, we need to see more? Yes, absolutely. In fact, there's a recent NIST directive, right, that's requiring all federal agencies to essentially do an inventory of their encryption device, encryption software. So we're helping to bring solutions to address that, as well as looking at ways to do post-quantum encryption and bring solutions to, to the market. It's always funny, post-quantum, after quantum. Right, right? yes. It's like, uh, one of the things that IQT does, and, and I think this is a key piece to this when we talk about all these great technologies, is really making the connection. But one of the things that I'm sure that you work with these companies is how do you make sure that they can scale the right way, right? You give the best little box, but if you can only make one little box a year, it doesn't really help the national security side. 
How do you get companies to understand like that their scale and size and, and what's really important for the national security mission? Yes, that's very very important part, right? And that, that's a real core mission of the Government Platform Accelerator is to really help educate startup companies to understand uh, the size of the government market, the opportunity, and then also how to you know deal with the government. In, in a way, the government is somewhat of a, a walled garden, right, to, to companies in Silicon Valley. And we spend a lot of time helping educate them on things like contract vehicles, the importance of key regulations and standards, and really aligning their commercial products to the needs and the mission of the government. I think a lot of people see government as an exciting place to be because of the mission. They, they, there's a patriotic uh, mission that, that they want to be a part of until they start seeing all the, the, the regulations and rules and requirements. Uh, imagine it makes their head spin. Do you get a lot of companies who say, yeah, Barry, no thanks, or do you have to kind of convince them we, we can help you get through the, the, the sticky wickets? Really, uh, a big part, Jason, is educating them to the, about the opportunity, sure. right, and helping show them how to really streamline their approach to working with government, right? If you uh, show up in Washington, D.C., and you've never dealt in the government market, you'll quickly be overwhelmed by acronyms and bureaucracy and process. But as we both know, there's, there are straightforward ways. There's, uh, it's important to partner with other companies in the ecosystem, uh, build relationships, and, and be in the government market for the long term. So I, I tr really work very hard to educate our portfolio firms on not only is government an important market from a national security standpoint, but it's also a very large money uh, market from a financial standpoint as well. And they pay well, in yes. the sense of like, you never have to worry about the government going out of business, because if they do, it's a whole different problem we all will have. Right, absolutely. So, even though margins are obviously aren't as big, mm -hmm. maybe as comparable, I think that's been a recent complaint. Uh, Barry, we got just over a minute left or so. Uh, you know, we've had a good conversation. We've hit upon a lot of topics: AI, cyber, emerging technology, quantum. Even what, what do you want folks to know about IQT? What do you, what's the big takeaway from our conversation that you want to leave folks with? Yep. So, Jason, I've really enjoyed the discussion today. Thanks for hosting me. Uh, I'd really like to leave the listeners with just the um, the realization that technology and the rate of change is accelerating. Right over my life to lifetime. That cycle from one new tech to another is just going faster and faster. And I think over the next few years, we're going to see unprecedented amounts of change, especially through the utilization of AI in all areas of government in, in our society. And at Incutel, we really want to be on the forefront of understanding what are these emerging new technologies, right? And how do we bring that to the, our, the national security community to help protect our country help give our country an edge and make sure that we're taking advantage of the most advanced technology. And also, Jason, a lot of cases, advanced technology doesn't necessarily mean spending more money. It actually sometimes introduces efficiencies, doing things more lightweight, more agile, and being more responsive to real-time needs. And a lot of times what you all do in the national security community, the defense community, really flows down to the civilian side as well. And you know, understanding cyber problems, everyone has cyber problems, understanding the, the benefits of AI, everyone can, is looking for that, that kind of golden, oh, okay, I get now, I can, how I can use it. So I think uh, it's really important to start somewhere and, and push it forward. So uh, I think people appreciate that about what InQtel does. Barry, we're out of time. This was a very great conversation. I learned a lot. So let me thank my guest. 
Uh, Barry LeFew is the Vice President of the Government Platform Accelerator at InQtel, also known as IQT. Barry, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.